to quote the Chromulons from Rick and Morty, show me what you got. We're talking about portfolios today on First You Hustle, a podcast from the Columbus College of Art and Design meant to help students and budding creative professionals put their expertise to use. I'm your host, Jordan Bell. If you've done everything else right, you might be called in to interview for a position, and that means the employer wants to know what you can do, and specifically, what you can do for them. Portfolios show your work, but it is still up to you to tell the story. Today, we'll discuss expectations for a portfolio presentation or interview, which may also include the unexpected. You can't go into an interview, unfortunately, knowing exactly what's going to happen, but you can arm yourself with the right materials to best answer questions as appropriate. That's our guest today. My name is Christopher Washington. I am a senior human resources associate at Fogg and Mortine. And in our conversation, we'll go through the steps from start to finish on how to present your creative work. After the interview, I'll give you a rundown of ways you can prepare your portfolio and a checklist before an interview. We'll also hear from my colleague in student affairs, Taylor Watkins, as she sits down with me in our first segment of Five Questions. I had a special heart for uh, animals, so I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian until I realized that I'm extremely allergic (laughs) to all pets, (laughs) Um, cats, dogs, everything. So I had to quickly give up that dream. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of First You Hustle. This episode drills down a little more into making a good impression with employers when you have the chance. The first episode was about the importance of working on your presentation and knowing your audience. The second episode was about the many steps you take to even get the opportunity to interview. And this episode gets into the details of what you do once you enter the room. In my conversation with Christopher Washington, you'll notice some callbacks to themes of previous episodes, research being one of them, but we also go over some seemingly minor specific details that help put the polish on your presentation. Let's jump into our conversation, and if you aren't familiar with Falgren Mortine, I'll let Christopher explain to you a little about the company. We are an integrated marketing and communications agency uh, located here in Columbus, Ohio. We specialize in everything from public relations, traditional marketing and advertising, creative digital. Uh, We can really service our clients and provide the full depth and breadth of marketing and communications. A lot of um, you know CCAD students are in a creative background, so today we wanted to talk about kind of portfolios and how students can talk through yeah. that. Um, everyone kind of has things to show and things to tell about themselves, and so I wanted to kind of get into breaking down those two elements because a lot of times we will just say, "Be prepared to walk someone through your portfolio." Totally. How do you do that? You know, it's a really interesting mindset that students have to get themselves in, and I think it requires sort of departing yourself from traditional thinking and really getting into the mindset of the employer. So what students need to keep in mind is that it's not about them, and that's not what we all think when we go into an interview to showcase our work. But The truth is, it's not about them during the interview, it's about the employer. So when a student goes into a conversation with an interview panel, they need to be thinking about how can I showcase my work in a way that 
will benefit them, that shows that I have the skills to move the organization forward. So to do that, you have to make connections between the work that they've done and work that the employer has done to really show that I have the skills and I understand what you as an organization does. There's a couple different ways that you can do that, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but obviously knowing the employer, doing the right research, that's really where it starts. Let's start from like the very beginning. So you're in the room and you whip out your portfolio. Does it depend on the discipline or is there always like, it's better if it's digital or it's better if it's physical? You know, I talk to students that are like, oh, I need to create something for this interview, like a bounded book or something. Um, what's the best way to actually present it, the physical way of actually, I need that to show it to them now? Sure, I think it's really smart to have both. So if you have an iPad where you can swipe through work, um, that's gonna be great because you don't have sort of the time that it takes to flip through pages. You can quickly swipe from slide to slide. But I think it's also smart to have some sort of leave behind that you can leave with the panel as they're considering additional applicants, they have the left behind work that you've given them to kind of guide their decision making process. Now one thing that students need to keep in mind is that when they're interviewing, they really need to give some thought to what work makes the most sense for that particular employer. So the same way that we tailor our resume to an employer when we're applying for the position, we need to tailor the portfolio materials that we're showing to them that are most relevant to that organization. So if you are in one of the ad graph classes and let's say that you've done um, a tourism campaign and you have several different design elements to showcase. That would be a great opportunity for you to showcase some work here at Fogelman Morton during an interview because tourism is one of the practice areas that we specialize in and you're bridging that connection between work that you've done and work that we've done. Again, showcasing that you understand what we do. The other thing to remember is that you wanna keep it succinct um, and to the point. So if you've got multiple different portfolio pieces, you really wanna show the top two to three that are most relevant to that employer, because that's what's gonna resonate with them. They also don't have a lot of time, so <laughs> you have to keep it within a certain amount of time frame when you're actually speaking with them. Um, so really keep it relevant to them and showcase the top two to three. The other piece that I'll emphasize is you wanna showcase your process. So employers don't just wanna see the final process, or the final product, excuse me. They wanna see how you thought about the entire project and how you got from point A all the way to point Z. So that involves everything from concepting um, and brainstorming, any type of drafting, um, sketches, um, all the way up to the final product where you're showcasing that final design. So if you only show the final piece, they don't really get to see how you think to get through the steps of navigating a challenge. And that's really what they want to see. You mentioned knowing what the point is. Is the point usually the process or how do you, I guess, how do you go about knowing what the point is? I think it is the process, because if you're only showcasing the end result, then they don't know how you got there. Um, when you showcase the process, you really get, it's your opportunity to emphasize your role in that project. So if you've worked on a group project, let's say for example, and you're only showcasing the end result, we don't know what your role was in that group project. Whereas if you're showcasing the process from beginning to end, you can really walk the employer through, here's what I did, here's how I made that positive impact, here's the work that I did, and here's how it led to the final result. Because they wanna know, well, if you're in a similar situation in our organization, how would you work through a similar type of process? And when you're actually showing your portfolio, uh, what's the right level of kind of narration? Do you, is it like a museum? You just kind of show it and let it speak for itself? Or how much detail should you go into? And 
should you be pointing them out, pointing out what um, they should be looking at? Like, how do you actually talk someone through what they're looking at when they're looking at your portfolio? Well, I think as a general rule, it's really important to kind of keep yourself as the owner of the portfolio and the pieces that are inside of it. So you should maintain control over the narration of the work as you're going from page to page or slide to slide, um, rather than letting the employer look at the work and maybe ask some questions. Now they're gonna have questions regardless, but you really wanna take control over the conversation and almost demonstrate some leadership skills to walk them through that specific piece of work. Um, in addition to that, I think it's also good um, to make sure that you're giving the right amount of detail. So we don't want to go into so much specific uh, details where you know we're walking them through a 20-minute presentation. We want to keep it high level enough that we're only keeping it to a few minutes, but we also want to show them what was our role in that specific project. I think one thing that students can do um, when prepping for that type of conversation with an employer is really understand the job description. They're likely going to ask questions of you during the interview when you're showcasing your portfolio as it relates to the job description. So understanding the role will allow you to talk about skills that you have that are relevant to the project that you did. So you're bridging, once again, that connection between the organization, what they do, and the work that you're showcasing to that employer. A lot of times we talk about professional skills versus industry skills, you know, professional skills being things that you could take to any company. I'm good at teamwork, collaboration, right. industry <laughs> skills, like I'm good at Photoshop for this type of specific Definitely. use. Uh, so when you're walking someone through a portfolio, should it all be industry skills? This is all, this is the purely technical side of who I am. Should it be a balance of both? Uh, or should you, will the technical work speak for itself and you should con concentrate more on you know, here's who I am as a worker. What, what's that kind of balance? Sure. It's really going to depend on the employer. Um, I've had this conversation with multiple uh, people in my network, and some people really value the soft skills, and other employers really only want to see the industry-relevant skills. So I think as a general rule, just to be safe, always focus on the industry skills first. Don't lead with the soft skills if you have the industry skills to actually demonstrate and show. Um, now let's say you're applying for your first internship and maybe you only have classroom experience. Maybe it's more of an equal balance between classroom experience that's relevant to your major in industry as well as the soft leadership, leadership skills that aren't necessarily major or industry related, but still showcase things like leadership, collaboration, independence, autonomy, that sort of thing. Um, because from the employer perspective, when we think about soft skills, that's what really what we're looking for. How can you demonstrate or talk to us about leadership, collaboration, the ability to own a project in a scenario where you weren't working within the industry, but you're still demonstrating those skills. And where are the clues for I should talk more about um, soft skills or I should talk more about technical skills. Is that solely in the job description or are there ways you can kind of get that from the company culture? A little bit of both. Um, so in the job description, there's typically always going to be a qualifications section and it's going to include things like, you know, the ability to work independently and in teams, um, able to collaborate, that sort of thing. Um, so knowing that, if that's in the job description, it's probably safe to incorporate that into a conversation when you're answering questions and walking through your portfolio. I think it's also good to maybe gauge from pre-networking prior to the conversation. So in advance of any type of portfolio review with an employer or an actual interview, ideally you would have already had some sort of 
you know, casual networking conversation with, you know, maybe someone from the panel or another member of the team within that company for more insight into what that company does. And that might be a good chance for a student to ask some questions like, what does this employer value? Um, is it more technical skills? Is it a blend of technical and soft skills? Um, in a conversation for an actual position, what would be most important to emphasize? These are questions that would be appropriate to ask during any type of networking meeting. You had talked about earlier uh, including in your portfolio pieces that are relevant to the company as much as possible. That's not always possible. So what is kind of the next tier of what should be included in your portfolio? So if you don't have specific work that is as specific as I've done a project that is similar to a vertical that you work in, that's okay. Because if you are a freshman or sophomore and you're applying for your first internship, you may not have that experience. And we don't expect you to have that experience. So at that point, what we're looking for is, do you understand our business? Um, can you showcase generally skills from the classroom that are relevant to our role and what we do in the industry? Um, and can you make that connection? So. When you're researching and looking at a company for you know whatever type of opportunity, um, it's kind of your chance to do a deep dive and find out anything and everything about them um, and really ask some intelligent questions. Um, so in addition to showcasing, let's say, classroom work as an example, ideally you would have done some great research on the company's website which is kind of a treasure trove of various pieces of information, everything from what that company does, work that they've done. There might even be some info on culture, um, which is going to be something that a student will want to consider when considering a career opportunity. What is the culture like of that organization? They should also look at um, the agency's or company's social media channels. Now, this is going to be a great chance for them to uh, see what's important to that employer. So what are they posting about? What is their brand voice like? Um, what are their posts and conversation topics like? Um, really seeing what their presence is like in the social space. So you're probably gonna get a sense of culture. So some internal photos that demonstrate what we're doing internally as an organization, but you're also gonna get a sense of what are the industry topics that they are commenting on within our world. Um, the third piece is really understanding um, a company's uh, values and its mission. And this really speaks to the culture piece. Um, so at Fogwood More Time, for example, our values are collaboration, engagement, and trust. So if you can show in an interview or talk about in an interview why those things are important and how you can demonstrate them or how you've demonstrated them in a past interview, that's really going to speak to the employer because it shows that you've almost kind of gotten into the spirit of that organization and you're, you're considering and taking this opportunity seriously. So when you don't have the experience to answer your question that maybe directly relates to something that an employer has done, think about how the experience that you do have is still relevant and culturally, why are you a good fit for this role and how do you understand that organization? And as you're walking someone through your portfolio um, and you, you, you try to prepare as much as possible to get all the information out there ahead of time, but you, we had mentioned questions will inevitably come up. How do you anticipate what those questions might be? It's, it's so tough to gauge because, as we know, every employer is different. And within every employer, every interview panel is different. So what ends up happening um, is you just kind of have to prepare as much as you can. So what I would frequently tell students when I meet with them is 
Google top 100 interview questions and familiarize yourself with all of them. But it's more than just familiarizing yourself. Think about answers that you would actually respond with if, if asked that question. Now, we don't want it to be so scripted that you sound like a robot when you are in the interview, but you wanna be comfortable enough with a certain question um, to the point where if you're asked a variation of that question during an interview, you've thought about nuggets that you can incorporate into that answer that then you can then use in this new question from the actual interview. I think that also helps. Um, I think also practicing is really important as well. So meet with a friend, meet with a peer, meet with a teacher, meet with someone who can ask you some questions and get comfortable speaking to someone else um, and answering a professional question in an interview-like setting. Um, beyond that, it's it's really tough. You know, if you've thought about questions that could be asked, both from you know a technical and soft skills perspective, you've walked through your portfolio and you're comfortable talking about the elements within it, and you understand what that organization does, everything from the work that they do, the industry that they live in, and have taken a look at their values and what they mean. I think you're pretty prepared. You can't go into an interview, unfortunately, knowing exactly what's going to happen, but you can arm yourself with the right materials to best answer questions um, as appropriate. Sports analogy alert. So I'm not good at this, by the okay. way. <laughs> well, this is a gymnastics, maybe my first gymnastics sports analogy. Oh, a lot of times, I, you know, you're in awe of what they're doing, and then you think, oh, no, they need to do, they need to nail the dismount, you know, or they, they do this perfect twist and then they, they step back and it's like, ooh. So talking about dismounting, I think it's easy for us to get into interviews or into a networking conversation um, or into a portfolio review. How do you get out of it? What's the appropriate way to wrap it up? Um, what's the appropriate way to follow up? You mentioned leave behind. So thinking about, got to leave the scene now. What are the steps to get out of there? Right. So... It's, it's all about um, taking the lead from the employer and the interview panel, um, but also still maintaining some ownership in the conversation. So we don't want to be completely passive. So when you've talked about all of your amazing work and you walked the employer through your portfolio, there's likely going to be an opportunity where they ask you, do you have any questions? And that's kind of the dismount from the conversation. And what I see oftentimes from students is, no, I think you've answered all my questions, thank you. And that is a missed opportunity to continue the engagement with the employer. So it's very possible that you prepared a list of questions and over the course of a natural conversation during an interview, they were all answered. But being able to ask questions at the end shows that continued engagement, and it just leaves the employer with a good taste in their mouth, um, especially if you are able to ask thoughtful questions. So for example, um, sometimes we'll hear you know, from a student or a junior level person that's interviewing, you know, I'd love to learn more about X or you know, can you tell me more about this organization? Um, and that's very vague. I think when you can really demonstrate that you've done your research and through that you're asking thoughtful questions, that's what really resonates with an employer. So for example, here at Fogren Mortine, if you'd done your research and said, you know, I just saw that Fogren Mortine won a national award for one of its tourism campaigns while well, you travel Nevada, as an example, how would someone in a role like this, the one that I'm applying for, how are they part of that process? 
that shows a little bit more engagement, not only in the conversation, but it also shows that you've been paying attention to something that we're doing. So the dismount is really kind of going out with a bang, continuing to show that you know what the organization does, that you're engaged in the conversation, but you're kind of wrapping it up as well. And then you mentioned leave behinds. What are some examples of leave behinds that you've experienced that, uh, that in a good way? Sure. So, uh, I mean, I might be a little traditional, but I'm still a big fan of the paper leave behind. Um, I think it just, it's a good physical, tangible example of something that you can just take back to your desk and you have with you. Um, and that could be maybe specific portfolio examples that you want that specific employer to hang on to. I think also following up with a thank you note. Um, and if it's digital via email, it allows you to incorporate maybe a URL to your portfolio that's online, or maybe a specific link that houses specific um, portfolio samples for that employer. Um, you can include that in a thank you note. Um, but I think those are ways that you can kind of wrap it up as well. Thanks a lot for uh, joining us today. Yeah, yeah of course. Thank you for having me. That was my conversation with Christopher Washington, Senior Human Resources Associate at Falgren Mortine. The interview is where you win the job. Your resume, your cover letter, networking, these things don't get you jobs, they get you interviews. You can't prepare too much for an interview because the stakes cannot get higher. Preparation is key. As someone whose creative work dabbles in media, things like this podcast or videos, I find myself dependent on adequate pre-production. This is my favorite phase of production because you have the most control. Pre-produce your interview, do your research, plot your talking points, carefully and strategically identify your portfolio pieces, revisit your talking points to make sure they reinforce qualities in your pieces and make sure those qualities match up well to the research that you did. The pre-production phase starts now. In fact, even if you haven't submitted a single application, it starts with just keeping up on industry trends. If you don't already, regularly check the news, follow companies on LinkedIn, or other industry-specific publications or groups, and know what is happening on a broad scale. This helps you keep in context what you find out on the ground floor when researching a company. A company deal or even one company initiative or project looks different depending on what is happening out there across the entire industry. Before you apply to a company, because these same pre-production tactics should be used when assembling your application, Follow their social media channels. Look up news alerts for that specific company. Talk to people within that company or people at a competing company. If you can't understand the company's specific needs, and you should try to as much as possible, then try to understand their competitors' needs. Don't assume they are exactly the same, but it should at least give you some broad topics to consider and prepare for. Prep as many aspects of the interview as possible. Visualize different environments. Will you be standing? Are you sitting? How will you engage with people in the room? Really visualize the handshake and how you greet people, and then begin constructing your talking points as you walk through your portfolio. In our first episode of this series, we discussed knowing the end first. That applies here. Know where you're going. And inevitably, as Christopher mentioned, you can't know everything that is coming up, but when something comes up, being able to remember what you want the key takeaway to be and the point that you're trying to make allows you to steer the ship back in the right direction. Being professional means you can always stay focused on your main points. No matter what curveballs come your way, you know how to get back to and remain confident in your main points. Therefore, as you construct your talking points, think about worst case scenarios. What if someone keeps asking why or wants you to elaborate on a single point? It's not likely to happen in an extreme sense, but knowing you know two or three layers of explanation will fortify your points and make improvisation a bit easier. 
And don't forget some of the small but important details. Know what you will wear. Your physical appearance precedes your presentation, so make sure you are looking the part. Know how you will share your presentation. Is it physical? Are there multiple copies needed? If it's digital, is it locally stored, as in something you won't need internet access to share? Make sure it's actually stored on the tablet or the laptop or on a thumb drive, somewhere where you can actually read the file, because nothing makes it more awkward than when you halt the interview to say, uh, I'm having trouble connecting to the internet, or what's your Wi-Fi password? You don't want to ruin the flow, so make sure you can quickly access your portfolio if you're showing it in a digital way. Know when you've made your points. There's no magic number for the number of portfolio items that you should be sharing. I've heard some employers say four to six. I've heard others say 15 or more may be needed. All agreed that you just need enough to tell the complete story, but not so many that you're becoming redundant. So if you find that your pieces are saying the same thing that previous pieces were saying, then you're not really telling more to the story. You're just being redundant about one point. Mix in the professional and the technical. It doesn't need to be solely about your technical abilities, but as mentioned in our interview with Christopher, that should be how you lead. Also talk about the professional abilities though. Professional abilities are highly sought after by all employers across all industries. They make up the top five things employers are looking for in recent national surveys. Sharing professional skills complements your technical skills and helps employers visualize how you do in the role. As a reminder, professional skills are those things that you can take to any employer in any industry, like being able to work well on a team, being able to take direction, your work ethic. Technical skills are the things that are specific to the position within your industry. So being a graphic designer is a technical skill, but being able to work on a graphic design team requires professional skills. Employers are looking for both, so make sure you're leading on that you have both types of skills in your interview. And finally, always remember to close your interview strong. Be prepared to answer questions and ask questions. A lack of questions shows a lack of interest, lack of enthusiasm, or even worse, a lack of awareness. Think of questions beforehand, but often the best ones come up organically during the interview. Questions can seek clarification or new understanding, but they can also seek to satisfy interest and curiosity. So asking things like, can you tell me more about the Nevada campaign that you mentioned? Which awards did it win? is a question born out of interest and curiosity, which helps employers see that you actually do care. Follow up after the interview with a good thank you. That came up in our conversation with Christopher as well. The interview isn't over until that thank you note has been sent. To close the show, I'm periodically going to check in with some of my other colleagues in student affairs so you can get to know them a little better. Everyone in our division plays a vital role in helping students be successful. Being involved on campus is one of the best things you can do while in college. It's great for your social development and it also helps build leadership qualities. These are both very important to your job search. I sat down with Taylor Watkins, Assistant Director of Student Engagement, and asked her five questions. I interact with students a lot. Um, I'm the Assistant Director of Student Engagement and Inclusion uh, here at CCAD. Very, very new. Only been here for like three or four months. But I help um, supervise the Empowering Feminists on Campus group, uh, Black Student Leader Association, 
Queer Alliance, and I do some work with the International Student Association as well to help with like inclusive programming and different events. What is something you do that focuses you? Um, so what I usually do is kind of either watch some mindless TV, like cartoons or a comedy show or something like that, stand-up uh, comedian or something like that to kind of wipe my mind of what's to come. And that leads into my next question. What do you do to get pumped up? I mean, it kind of falls back into the to the music. I listen to some hip-hop or... Or listen to some music that kind of gets you going that you can dance to in the car on the way to work or something. Also, I want to know a time when you were in your job search when you felt like things weren't going very well. So I've actually done this a couple times where I've sent a email out and forgot to even attach my resume altogether. But there also was a one one time I was applying to be a job coach. This was maybe three years ago or so. I was really, really young. And it was for a special needs um, institution. One of the interview questions were like, what's one thing that makes you like uncomfortable and so i kind of told them that i didn't have any experience <laughs> working with this population so that was kind of a not so smart of me to do when you're trying to um, be interviewed for something telling them that you actually have no experience whatsoever in the job and what did you want to be when you were little? I wanted to be a lot of things when I was little. But in particular, um, I had a special heart for uh, animals. So I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian until I realized that I'm extremely allergic <laughs> to all pets, <laughs> um, cats, dogs, everything. So I had to quickly give up that dream. Give me some examples of what you've been watching lately or who you've been listening to. So as far as music, um, I like a lot of different artists. It depends on what type of mood I'm in. Sometimes some women empowerment type of things. So like Alicia Keys or Solange, or it can range from, I just need something to like dance to, get excited, be goofy. Um, and I listen to like <laughs> Gucci Man or <laughs> just different rap artists. It could be, yeah, it could be anything. Thanks for sitting down with me. Sure, no problem. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Taylor. That's our show this week. If your first thought at the top of the show was, wait, I don't even have a portfolio, then check out the resources on ccadcareers.com. Drop into our office during walk-in hours, Monday, Wednesday, or Friday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. No appointment needed. And ask us how you can get started. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of First You Hustle. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the channel you're listening to this through for regular updates. And we'll see you again next time. Take care. The song featured in this episode is called Mr. Boogaloo by the Juanitos, Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.